Chapter Twenty Eight of the Double Trader by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Twenty Eight. Mr. Hablethwaite turned into Pall Mall, his hands behind his back, his expression a little less indicative of bland good humor than usual. He had forgotten to light his customary cigarette after the exigencies of a cabinet council. He had even forgotten to linger for a few minutes upon the doorstep in case any photographer should be hanging around to take a snapshot of a famous visitor leaving an historic scene, and quite unconsciously he ignored the salutation of several friends. It was only by the merest chance that he happened to glance up at the corner of the street and recognized Norgate across the way. He paused at once and beckoned to him. "'Well, young fellow,' he exclaimed as they shook hands, "'how's the German spy business going?' "'Pretty well, thanks,' Norgate answered coolly. "'I am in it twice over now. I'm marrying an Austrian lady shortly, very high up indeed in the diplomatic secret service of her country. Between us you may take it that we could read, if we chose, the secrets of the Cabinet Council from which you have just come. Any fresh warnings, eh?' Norgate turned and walked by his friend's side. "'It is no use warning you,' he declared. "'You've a hide as thick as a rhinoceros. Your complacency is bomb-proof. You won't believe anything until it's too late.' "'Confoundedly disagreeable companion you make, Norgate,' the Cabinet Minister remarked irritably. "'You know quite as well as I do that the German scare is all bunkum, and you only hammer it in either to amuse yourself or because you are of a sensational turn of mind. All the same—' "'All the same what?' Norgate interrupted. Hablethwaite took his young friend's arm and led him into his club. "'We will take an aperitif in the smoking-room,' he said. "'After that I will look in my book and see where I am lunching. It is perhaps not the wisest thing for a cabinet minister to talk in the street. Since the suffragette scares, I have quite an eye for a detective, and there has been a fellow within a few yards of your elbow ever since you spoke to me. That's all right,' Norgate reassured him. "'Let's see. It's Tuesday, isn't it? I call him Baco.' He never leaves me. My weekend shadowers are a trifle less assiduous, but Baco is suspicious. He has deucedly long ears, too. "'What the devil are you talking about?' Hablethwaite demanded, as they sat down. "'The fact of it is,' Norgate explained, "'they don't altogether trust me in my new profession. They give me some important jobs to look after, but they watch me night and day. What they do if I turn them up I can't imagine.' by the by if you do hear of my being found mysteriously shot or poisoned or something of that sort don't you take on any theory as to suicide it will be murder right enough however he added raising his glass to his lips and nodding they haven't found me out yet i hear hebblethwaite muttered that the bookstalls are loaded with this sort of rubbish you do it very well though oh i am the real thing all right norgate declared by the by what's the matter with you nothing hebblethwaite replied when you come to think of it sitting here and feeling the reviving influence of this remarkably well-concocted beverage i can confidently answer nothing and yet a few minutes ago i must admit that i was conscious of a sensation of gloom you know norgate you're not the only idiot in the world who goes about seeing shadows for the first time in my life i begin to whether we haven't got a couple of them among us of course i don't take any notice of spencer wyatt it's his job he plays the part of popular hero national anthem god save the empire and all that sort of thing he must keep in with his admirals and the people 
so he's of course always barking for ships. But White, now, I have always looked upon White as being absolutely the most level-headed, sensible, and peace-adoring minister this country ever had. What's wrong with him? Norgate asked. I cannot, Hebblethwaite regretted, talk confidentially to a German spy. Getting cautious as the years roll on, aren't you? Norgate sighed. I hoped I was going to get something interesting out of you to cable to Berlin. You try cabling to Berlin, young fellow, Hebblethwaite replied grimly, and I'll have you up at Bow Street pretty soon. There's no doubt about it, though, old White has got the shivers for some reason or other. To any sane person things were never calmer and more peaceful than at the present moment, and White isn't a believer in the German peril, either. He is half inclined to agree with old Busby. He got us out of that Balkan trouble in great style, and all I can say is that if any nation in Europe won at war then, she could have had it for the asking. Well, exactly what is the matter with White at the present moment? Norgate demanded. Got the shakes, Hebblethwaite confided. Of course, we don't employ well-born young Germans who are undergoing a period of rustication as English spies, but we do get to know a bit what goes on there, and the reports that are coming in are just a little curious. Rolling stock is being called into the termini of all the railways. Staff officers in Mufti have been round all the frontiers. There's an enormous amount of drilling going on, and the ordnance factories are working at full pressure, day and night. The maneuvers are due very soon, Norgate reminded his friend. So I told White, Hebblethwaite continued. But maneuvers, as he remarked, don't lead to quite so much feverish activity as there is about Germany just now. Personally, I haven't a single second's anxiety. I only regret the effect that this sort of feeling has upon the others. Thank heavens we are a government of sane, peace-loving people. A government of fat-headed asses who go about with your ears stuffed full of wool, Norgate declared with a sudden bitterness. What you've been telling me is the truth. Germany's getting ready for war, and you'll have it in the neck pretty soon. Hablethwaite set down his empty glass. He had recovered his composure. "'Well, I am glad I met you anyway, young fellow,' he remarked. "'You're always such an optimist. You cheer one up. Sorry I can't ask you to lunch,' he went on consulting his book. "'But I find I am motoring down for a round of golf this afternoon.' "'Yes, you would play golf,' Norgate grunted as they strolled towards the door. "'You're the modern Nero playing golf while the earthquake yawns under London.' "'Play you some day if you like,' Hebblethwaite suggested as he called for a taxi." They took my handicap down, too, last week, at Walton Heath. Not before it was time, either. By the by, when can I meet the young lady? My people may be out of town next week, but I'll give you both a lunch or a dinner, if you'll say the word. Thursday night, eh? At present, Norgate replied, the Baroness is in Italy, arranging for the mobilization of the Italian armies, but if she's back for Thursday we shall be delighted. She'll be quite interested to meet you. A keen, bright, alert politician of your type will simply fascinate her. "'We'll make it Thursday night, then, at the Carlton,' Hebblethwaite called out from his taxi. "'Take care of Bacco. So long.' At the top of St. James's Street, Norgate received the bow of a very elegantly dressed young woman who was accompanied by a well-known soldier. A few steps further on he came face to face with Seligman. "'A small city, London,' the latter declared. I am on my way to the Berkeley to lunch. Will you come with me? I am alone today, and I hate to eat alone. Miss Morgan has deserted me shamefully. I met her a moment or two ago, Norgate remarked. She was with Colonel Bowden. Seligman nodded. 
Rosa has been taking a great interest in flying lately. Colonel Bowden is head of the flying section. Well, well, one must expect to be deserted sometimes, we older men. Especially in so great a cause, Norgate observed dryly. Seligman smiled enigmatically. And you, my young friend, he inquired, what have you been doing this morning? I have just left Hablethwaite, Norgate answered. There was a cabinet meeting this morning, wasn't there? Norgate nodded. An unimportant one, I should imagine. Hebblethwaite seemed thoroughly satisfied with himself and with life generally. He has gone down to Walton Heath to play golf. Seligman led the way into the restaurant. Very good exercise for an English cabinet minister, he remarked. Capital for the muscles. End of chapter 28. Recording by Tom Weiss, Tom's Audiobooks.com.